these are the Stanley Cup champions cheering for us. Obi could beat the fuck out of Wayne Gretzky. Could you break Wayne Gretzky's record? Because he's 24! Just smoke blunts and swig 40s before I go out for warmies. We got like half dressed and then for it, and we're just going nuts. We're in the locker room by then. We're just going absolutely bananas. All right, guys, we now welcome on an awesome guest, the newest head coach of the Potomac Patriots premier team in the USPHL. 16 years in the pros, saw him win two Calder Cups, NHL stints with the Flyers and Coyotes, some time in the KHL, Denmark, and France. Josh Gratton, man. Welcome to the show, Coach. How you doing? Thanks thanks for having me on. I'm doing pretty good, boys. How are you guys? Not too bad. Can't complain. How are things? How's the start of the season going for you guys? I know you're just kind of getting underway, but... Uh, so uh, it's been a tough road here to get going here, but uh, we're we're trying to change it, uh, change the culture of everything going on here in Potomac. Uh, it's been a struggle for the start of the season, but uh, we got we just got a new goalie. We've got a couple other pieces that we just put in uh, in place here, so hopefully that helps change the change the tables here. Love to see it. So we'll kind of jump right into it. We'll start right here. I mean, why the Potomac Patriots? You know, I mean, what kind of caught your interest, and what was the selling point to bring you to this opportunity here? I just seen it. So they got a new owner and uh, a new ownership, new rinks getting uh, well. The rinks getting all renovated and everything like that. So it's it's a good opportunity to come and put my own stamp on things in town here. And uh, the owner's been nothing but great. And from the first day I got here, it's uh, I see that there's plenty of potential to uh, to develop a good program here. And it's not going to happen overnight. We all know that, but. Uh, with with a good owner and a good management staff, uh, that's that's half the battle right there. So we're, uh, we're we're trending in the right direction, for sure. And we just kind of briefly mentioned it, and we talked about it beforehand. But I'm sure you're familiar with it now. We got Hampton Roads, we got you guys, and we got the Richmond Generals all right here in this kind of DMV area. And kind of every year, we're seeing Hampton and Richmond compete and win these national championships, whereas Potomac is struggling to kind of you know string together double digit wins in a season so kind of what's your approach to flip the script here and turn potomac into a contender well i think i think it's got to start with uh, the culture in our room and when, and we got to kind of uh emulate uh what richmond and hampton do in, in a sense they uh they take care of their elite programs first it seems like and and that's the way they they uh <laughs> recruit and then they then that just uh, it's a feeder system to their premier league so like uh, like I said, it's not going to happen overnight. And uh, you you develop young and you you feed them into your premiere, and they all learn the the same systems, the same ideas. Everybody's on the same page. So, I think uh, what RC's done in Richmond is uh, is definitely the the right way to work this program. And everybody in the South Division, it seems to be juggernauts in this uh, mm-hmm. side. From from what Charlotte I heard. as well, yeah, yeah. So. From what I heard, like, uh, and I, I unfortunately, I've only got to play three teams since I've been here, and we we don't go very much further out of our division besides the showcase that we're going to play in, uh, in 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 December here at the end of the month. But uh, from what I've understood, uh, it's always the south uh, south south divisions that come out and do pretty well. So we're uh, we're 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 playing against these guys every night. So it would be nice to see where we really stand in, in the league instead of playing the top teams every night. But uh, as for the direction we're going to go, it's, you know, we're, right now we're just trying to compete. We're trying to get better. We're bringing in some pieces. And it's not it's it's not an easy thing to do with this COVID and, uh, and mid-season stepping into it. So 
it's uh, we're going to have to look within uh, within the organization right now and just trend in the right direction. Uh, touching on, you know, how you your style of play for for our listeners that may not have been aware. Uh, Josh is definitely a, a rough and tumble kind of guy. Is that going to translate in, into your coaching style at all? I mean, the game has changed so much from uh, even when you were, you know, in the in the uh, American League and NHL. And what what can we expect for a, a Josh Gratton coach team? Like, what what's their identity going to be? Is that part of finding your culture as well? Or yeah, that's going to be a big part of the recruiting. And for myself, I want coachable players that are going to compete hard every night and a tough team, but a, not a tough team as in in fighting, a tough team as in a tough team to play against, physical and chippy, but uh, playing between the whistles, nothing stupid. It's just dis- disciplined hard hockey is, is what I, I preach right now. And it's uh, it's going to be interesting. This was my first summer uh, going into the recruiting phase, so I'm really excited to put my stamp on my uh, on this uh, program and get my own guys here. Yeah, love it. So reading the thing on the Patriots website about your hiring, it kind of mentioned your extensive hockey network and how you'll utilize that to help grow the grow the program. Are there any specific guys you have in mind that you think you'll bring in and use as a kind of a helping hand? Off the top of my head, we're gonna look. We're gonna look overseas for sure for some offensive players, and possibly I got a couple of options for uh, uh, European goaltenders as well. But you know, it's so it's still so early in the like in this season right now, and with the COVID situation this season, uh, not too much is probably going to change besides yeah. a couple of players here and there, unfortunately. But uh, we'll definitely be uh, we'll be using all my connections. I have I know plenty of uh, plenty of agents uh, and, and even just hockey players in general. That network that network opens up a lot of doors uh, in that sense too. So the the recruiting phase is exciting. It's, it doesn't stress me out too much because I have plenty of connections. I'm going to get uh, the pick of the litter of those those guys that that, that they all know. So that's exciting part uh, and and. Moving forward, right now, it's just trying to trying to look look at the uh, local players, the local AAA players, mm-hmm. and, and start picking away at them because you're only as good as your local players. Essentially, you can go out and get seventy five percent of uh, of imports, or or you, I call them imports just from when I was over in Europe. But seventy five percent of the, of your team being uh, out of, out of out of the area, but you still need that twenty five percent of the players to step up and move up and progress through through your minor hockey system, through the minor hockey systems around here. So that that's a big big thing that, and that's kind of what I'm focusing on right now. Yeah, I mean, I guess kind of even to build up that a little bit too. The Caps have a massive damn alumni association around here you got any you got any connection there you might think you might reach out to or anything and a lot yeah, of them I know you, coach locally and stuff yeah their, their old uh, skills skills coach Dwayne Blaze uh was mm-hmm. was my coach he's from my hometown so I was already in contact oh, yeah. with him he, he's got a lot of uh, kids out of London Ontario he runs a great program there so I've already been in touch with him we were about to get uh get a player that he, he he works with on a daily basis uh, for, out of London, Ontario. But unfortunately, with the COVID restrictions and bringing in Canadians, it's a bit of a headache and parents are a little uh, a little apprehensive about bringing, letting their kid come come to the States right now. But he uh, he's one, for sh- one guy for sure that uh, I'll be uh, utilizing in that sense. Uh, and he has, he knows a lot of connections around town here as well. So 
it's a it's a good thing. He's gonna come in and 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 do a couple practices with with uh, junior guys when the borders up and up here too. So we're we're really tight, me and uh, me and Dwayne. So he he's definitely gonna be a big attribute to to this organization as well. There we go, Bob. That's two nights in a row of the London, the London yeah. Ontario stuff right there. We're talking to Bryce Montgomery, who's the Maryland kid who's up there playing for the Knights right now. Oh, last okay, night, yeah, yeah. We, we I, I actually he trains at the gym that I'm part owner at so nice. when he's in London. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, we had him on last night. Yeah. Um, the the level of play that you're coaching, Josh, uh, um, is it more important? Do you think to develop talent or, or to have a, a win at all cost mentality? I know there's a fine line between that, and I think you, I mean, you alluded to it earlier when you were talking about how Richmond builds their program. Um, but what are your, what are your feelings there? I know, especially at this age, you know, where we're still trying to develop and and move kids on, but we also want to win, right? Yeah, I think I think winning comes with that. I think uh, I think in the first couple of years, and to be realistic, the first couple of years you want to develop your program as a pipeline to to schools and moving forward, that will bring in uh, winning teams and and that will make the recruiting a lot easier. Older guys will want to come if they're in their uh, uh, age out years or the year before that. Like they see that these guys have had a lot of guys going up to Division three or moving up to NCDC. I think that's a that's a big part of uh, of, of recruiting the older guys, and that's going to come and with older guys, championships come as well. But it's if for for me, I, I think developing the players at this age is a lot more important than, than myself winning a championship or the older guys winning a championship. Everybody, everybody in this league, uh, premier or elite, wants to move up a level, right? So, right. and and championships come with good teams, good nucleuses, and and uh, winners. Winners, if you win, you get called. You you move up. So, and everybody likes a winner. And and that, at the end of the day, if you're a last place team and you don't win, you're you're not those final guys that are going to get that last look and, and called up. So I think those two go hand in hand in a sense. For sure. I, that's, I think that's a really good way of, of putting that. Um, and, you know, especially all the downtime kids are having and uh, all the, the quick hit social media stuff. And guys in the offseason, you see them do all these little tricks that are – stick tricks and stick handling drills. Like what, what are the important things that you, you think guys should actually be doing in the off season that translate into, into gameplay, like, you know, shooting pucks, watching the game, lifting. Like, I feel like there's so many different avenues that players go down and more often than not, they're not always the best yeah. direction. Right. I, I personally, for myself, I, I think at, at a young age, all those skills and, and tight, tight corners and things you do, those practices, those, those skill, skill, uh, skill coaches you have, I think they, they're good. But as you get into junior, you got to spend time in the gym. You got to spend game like situations and, and work on your skating and strength and speed. I think I think your hands because in, in in the game situations you're not you're not going to have that pocket and be able to dangle like that you're, you're going to get hit and, and and it's it's good to have it's a good tool to have but I think at, at this day and age a lot of kids waste waste a lot of their time and effort on 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 just stick handling and, and going through those skills mm-hmm. skill sessions which they're, I'm not knocking them they're good to have but I think that. I think they're overemphasized on, on a lot of on with a lot of players, a lot of coaches and parents. I think the parents like to see that stuff, and the kids love to see it. Mm-hmm. But but realistically, how often in a game do you really see any of that stuff used besides a couple a couple times a game, maybe? Right. So 
Yeah. If you're, if you can't do that at full speed. Like we, what's the point, yeah. right? Like, exactly. so I, I agree with you a hundred percent there, Josh. I, I, that's, that was my opinion. Uh, I, I, we, we see eye to eye on that one. Like I, I really, I really think that at, at the ages uh, of 16 to 20 years old and 16 to 18, for sure, that they need those, they need those four to four to five days in the gym, a solid program working out and putting on weight. Some, some might have to lose weight. I'm not, oh, but the guys that have to lose weight usually have to get faster. So I think the speed, strength, and and on ice, on ice ability, like going through full practices, game like situations, battle drills here and there, it doesn't have to be every day in the summer. But I think that goes a long way from getting you for getting you ready in camp. Then instead of using those first two months of of, of the season to get to get those that touches back or the, that physicality back. Love it. So it's been a while since you played juniors. Shit, it's even been a while since Bobby was playing juniors up in Wisconsin. So curious to know kind of what your thoughts are on the differences from your time in junior to how the game's played now, excluding the whole COVID situation where half these leagues can't even fucking let your body check anymore. Yeah, I was just, just going to say the, the, the referees, the referees uh, and, and how they call the game is probably the biggest difference. I, they were handing out uh, – Five minute majors are for my first four games, like they were tic tacs. I think we had yeah. three every game, and, it's, and I, 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 I respect it. I just think a lot of people are the refs are taking it a little overboard, and and it's 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 kind of it's taken away from the flow of the game. It's taken away from the energy of the game, and kids aren't trying to maliciously hurt someone. And if they do, they should be kicked out. They should be suspended, but a little tap in the back in the face mask shouldn't be a five minute major and a game misconduct. Just the littlest things of that. But culture wise, I think, I think, uh, I think the speed is definitely in the skill sets are definitely a lot better uh, than, than when I was, but it, I played more of a grind style game and, and that's the way hockey was. And now it's, now it's changing and, and, and changing. I, I personally, I, I don't mind it. I, I think, I think, I think it could benefit if it went a little back, uh, back a little bit of, of the grind style, but you know, that's maybe up in NCDC or USHL, it's a yeah. little, uh, a little better, a little faster, and a little more physical. But you know, right now I'm, I'm still trying to get. It's still a learning curve for me. And I, like I said, I've only seen three teams, so I'm getting sick of seeing those same teams. So, <laughs> right, just give us somebody yeah. different to fucking play yeah. once. Uh, when, when I was coaching, uh, one of the things that I liked, or one of the things I did, because I had no idea what the hell I was doing once I jumped on, is I kind of picked and chose things that coaches did that drove me nuts, and things that they did that I liked, and tried to make my own kind of style in, in, in there. Are there, you know, coaches that, that you're relying on to, or not relying on that you've, you know, kind of built your style from, or is that something you're still trying to, to figure out? Like who are some of the coaches you think would, would be more impactful on, on your coaching career now in yeah. retrospect? Well, when I took this job, I'm still really close with uh, John Stevens, the head coach or assistant coach. He was a head, head coach of Philadelphia. He won right. the championship in the AHL with him. So I called him and, I, I talked to him for a long time, so I, I really look up to him and, and uh, try to model myself after him. And, and Mike Stuthers is another guy. We won a championship in, in American League. But I think the, the most most of the things that I take out, out of being a pro from all the coaches I took, I think I take I take away like what I didn't like and what I wouldn't be like. What would I just just like if a coach was hard on me in a certain way? 
I didn't like it. I don't, I try to make sure I don't do that. Or if a coach was nagging on or certain drills or certain ways the coach was, I, I took more of the negatives away to make sure I don't do that than the positives. And then every, every day is a new day for me and it's all, and it's also new and learning. And I'm just trying to, trying to learn it's managing 22 personalities and, and uh, trying to, trying to be, make them one and, and like one big team is uh it's a challenge, but it's it's definitely when when it starts coming together, it's definitely gratifying to see that it's all coming to fruition there. Yeah, especially come, getting them to come together at the age they're at. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You think players on your team might be a little more behaved with you at the helm, knowing you could kind of dummy one with a few quick jabs and teams, <laughs> they fuck around in practice or anything like that? <laughs> I, I think I think they, I said I think they know that I sent a good message early. I, they were messing around for the first couple of days of practice, not not buying in, and they got a good bag skate. So I don't have to do anything except blow that whistle now, and they're pretty uh, pretty too content and, and, and attention 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 to detail. So everything's good that way. Love it. So kind of going back, tying in culture, kind of one more time, and kind of tying in the recruiting because you said that the recruiting stuff's just kind of new and it's different. So. Do you have this kind of local first mentality or you'll go outside first or it's just whoever is the right fit? And are you building that culture based on who you have now around who you have now and switching it up kind of as it goes? Or are you sticking to your your main points there? Uh, you know, it, like I said, it's still only seven games in. I'm still trying to see what I have right now. But yeah, as as far as the locals, there, uh, there's good systems go around this area, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to tap into that and, and get get. I mean, I've been watch I went and watched a bunch of AAA games already, Little Caps and, and Maryland, and then yeah. I got a couple connections. Uh, um, Scott Scott Lowe is uh, another guy that I've been talking to around here. He runs some uh, some some programs outside of Maryland, so I'm just using all my connections locally. And I'll start I'll, I'll start for sure uh, trying to tap into locally first. Well, because I'm here and uh, and I have that ability to do so, and then come end this season see where we're at because uh, at, at this age kids kids change a lot. Uh, a, guy, a couple of my players could be on the third fourth line. And come by the end of the year, they develop, they grow, they mature. And they're all of a sudden go-to guys, and they get a summer, full summer under their belt. Then, then they're that much bigger, that much stronger. So it's tough to go and jump the gun on things until you really see what you got yeah. inside your organization. Um, switching things up a little bit, now more you questions as opposed to PPAT stuff, but yeah. – Looking back on your your long career, like is there a, a specific period, a specific team, a specific level that that you look past or look back on like the most fondly? I mean, obviously winning two Calder Cups uh, is, is a big thing, but what what was like the the best years you would say? Well, those are definitely memorable years, uh, development-wise, the year in Philadelphia when we won, developing it, and really realizing that I was going to be an NHL hockey player or have a longer career because it, it was all a pipe dream for a long time as a junior. You never really know, and, and your minds and interests are elsewhere. But uh, going over to Russia, I really used, uh, had a great experience and, and some really bad experiences as well. Yeah, so hell yeah. All of, uh, all, all of the... <laughs> All of the European cities and everything. I'm just so grateful that I got to I got those life experiences, 
and as hockey memories, I can't I can't pinpoint one or two because I was so fortunate enough to have so many. So well, you lived in San Diego, Charleston, yeah. Phoenix. You didn't have a bad lineup there. Yeah. No, I was about to no. say, if you really want to get the in depth of these stories, go listen to the last Chicklets episode. You hear <laughs> all the crazy shit that went down in them. Yeah, I definitely lived in, in some good spots. Uh, no complaints there. That's for sure. Uh, and my last question for you, Gratz. Um, yeah. I know you were planning on coaching college this season. Um, is that your your aspiration still to get back to the collegiate level, whether that's in the U.S. or Canada, or where 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 is your where's the 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 end goal for you coaching? You just want to keep grinding and keep going, or uh, essentially you want to get to the highest level as you can. But right now my focus is is here and building this program out. I have committed to this place for or for this team for the next three years and. If an opportunity does arise, it has to be something good, and and and, and every everyone wants to get it to the best best level they can. But you know, right now for me, it's more about developing the kids that I have uh, that I'm responsible for. And if opportunities come, uh, I'll, I'll cross that bridge when it comes. Love it. So last one here for me. Coach, I don't know if you've ever spent much time here in the area in D.C. when you're traveling or anything with teams, but non-hockey-wise, when you actually get a chance to get out of the rink, what are you looking forward to? Oh, you know what? Life, when you say that, I haven't been able to do much. I've been, I've been at the rink a lot. So I definitely go go watch watch a couple Caps games when things things normalize here. I got Nick Dowd, a good buddy of mine, is, is on the team, and we won a championship in, in Manchester there. And uh, – I don't know. Like I, I, I'm a sports guy, so I like yeah. to go watch football, watch watch some hockey games, and other than that, monuments and museums are not my style. So <laughs> no, I'll, uh, I'll, no, I'll just uh, I'll just stick to the sports scene for for the for the time being. Love it. Yeah, if we can get the XFL back here, those were a party yeah, last year. No You'd doubt. love those, man. You'd love no those. Doubt. But yeah, that's all we got for you, man. Like we said, Perfect. guys, if you want to go listen to some crazy stories he's got, go listen to that last Chicklets episode. But coach, it's been a pleasure. Looking forward to see what you can do with this Potomac Patriots team. We'll be following you, and we'll be keeping in touch. I appreciate it, guys. It was a pleasure. All right, we now welcome on an awesome guest, a writer for the City Open Tennis Tournament, sports anchor for WTOP and Sirius XM Sports, correspondent for MLB.com. Like we said, a million things just a second ago before we started recording. But Caps fans, you know him best as the host of the pregame, intermission, and postgame live shows for the Capitals Radio. Ben Raby, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on. Good, fellas. Good to be here. Love it. So we'll start talking some caps here, and then we'll get into your career a bit. But we'll start with the simple one here. What are your overall thoughts on the team so far this season? I mean, obviously off to a great start. The two straight three, nothing blown leads are kind of tough. But is this team kind of over or underperforming your expectations coming in for the season? I would say over based on every game they've been through, right? If we had spoken on day one of training camp and we had said with a new head coach, with the abbreviated camp, without preseason, with all the injuries, with the COVID absences, missing Ovi for four games, missing Samson for as long as they have, et cetera, et cetera. Kuznetsov, Ellery, you can go down the list. You had said they would deal with all that and they would be six, one and three, 10 games into the season. Heck, a month ago, you would have signed up for that for sure. So all that being said, given everything they've been through, yes, I would say they've exceeded expectations. Has it been flawless? Far from it, but we anticipated we, we anticipated perhaps a, a sluggish start, and as the year went along, they would get better with the new coaching staff, et cetera. So all that being said, uh, very, very encouraging start to the season, all things considered, yeah. 
Yeah, speaking of overachieving, what are your thoughts on uh, Nick Backstrom this year? Like, he's obviously looked good, but do you think there's any reason why he's looking so good? And also, if you were me, would you trade him uh, for Stamkos in a one-for-one in my fantasy league? <laughs> Always an that agenda, trade. right? Yeah. But, uh, no, good good on Backstrom. You know, I'm kidding aside because, um, you know, with so many injuries and absences early on this season, we always talk about guys stepping up, taking advantage of opportunities. You usually think of guys maybe lower down the depth chart. Vitek Vanacek is a perfect example, right? Sam Bob is out. So Vanacek goes from the backup to the starter. And here he is taking advantage of the opportunity. Nick Backstrom, regardless of who's in the lineup, he's, he's your top line center. Maybe if Kuznetsov's there, you go back and forth 1A, 1B. But point being, Nick Backstrom's role doesn't change with all these absences. Maybe a few extra minutes here and there. But to your point, that being said, for him to have picked up the slack and done some heavy lifting, a sniper all of a sudden, Nick Backstrom. Yeah. No kidding. Where's, where's that coming from? But no, very, very encouraging sign from, from him. And especially when you consider... Again, missing Kuznetsov, missing Eller, pretty thin down the middle, all things considered, on uh, encouraging signs. Stammer's off to a good start as well, though. So you, I know, that's why it's tough. You own Backstrom or you own Stam- I own Stamkos, and I, my buddy I think, knows I'm think, a Washington fan. So. I think you're okay. I think yeah, okay. you're okay. okay. Whipping yeah, it up in that uh, central division. The central division, by the yeah. way, to call that the leftover division. I'm not sure how yeah, you got right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got the got the north division it lines up you got the east division okay it's some traditional rivals in there you got the west division it is what it is central division it's it's like the leftovers it's like they it's like yeah who were these weird teams that when we made that original circle on the map that were just like yeah. just outside the sharpie right there like a nike yeah. swoosh of teams pretty much some, yeah. some good teams in there don't get me wrong but we're we're going with the leftovers not not but, your traditional there's some good but there's also some bro- together there's also some brutal teams in that division too. I mean, that, that I feel like Tampa Bay should roll through that division. I mean, Carolina's look good too, um, but yeah. uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's um, definitely there's definitely a split, halves and halves and in there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our like sticking to Backstrom real quick. Our, our boy over here, uh, Coach Coach Billman over here. He he kind of called it this year. He's uh, about Backstrom having maybe a career year. How many? Uh, if you could uh, do a prediction on a uh, points wise, how many how many do you think he finishes up with? Boy, he's he's over a point per game now, right? right. Ten games into the year, if he get if he if he gets a fifty point season in fifty six, that's that's pretty impressive. That 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 would sort of be on on par, I think, with with kind of what he's been going through over the past few years. He's just a shade under a point per game, I think. But yeah, fifty points, yeah, would be a nice year for him. Yeah, and and stick again, sticking to that, I I said to I said to these guys earlier uh, the other night. We need him to be rolling on all cylinders if this if this team's gonna make a playoff run. I think those are Kuzi or Backstrom are two of the main keys to this team. I think because they're they're down the middle, they they got to be our best players. I think. Yeah, I agree, and I really put a big big spotlight on Kuznetsov. It's it's interesting they've had the start of the year that they have despite having missed him at least for six games and perhaps more after this recording, but. It's funny because when they when they hired Peter Laviolette in the offseason, uh, a lot of the talk whenever there's a new coaching hire in these parts is always, how is that coach going to deal with Alex Ovechkin? All right, right. and space of the franchise. You're always curious how that relationship is going to be. I shrugged that off. I said, Ovechkin, at, at, at this stage of his 35 years, he's a grown man. He, he'll be fine, whatever coach is behind the bench. I said, the one to keep an eye on is Evgeny Kuznetsov, who, if we're being honest, 
based on the ceiling, based on the potential, based on what we saw in the spring of 2018, he took a step back over the past two seasons. And I'm not suggesting it was directly related to the fact it was Coach Reardon. When you bring in a new coach in Laviolette and they use the, the, the buzzwords last summer, as they always do with a coaching hire, you want accountability, you want that type of thing coming from the, the man behind the bench. I do put a lot of that on the player, Kuznetsov, and some of the undisciplined penalties he's taken over the years and some of the maybe poor decision-making that, that has cost him in, you know, in certain situations. I put a lot of that on the player, but if a head coach can make an impact, make a difference in that regard, I think the, the big, big story, once he returns and as they look to make another deep postseason run, you know, as Kuznetsov goes, so goes the Capitals, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you, you've mentioned the past there uh, a couple of times before, too. Uh, you've been here for about 10 seasons worth now. What was the best team that you thought uh, had, had the best chance to win the Cup besides the 2018 team? Probably just the year or two before the 16-17, the those, those back-to-back President's Trophy winners that yep. both times lost to Pittsburgh in round two. But it's, it's interesting that you bring that up, that I've, I've been here a, a decade plus now, and which team, I thought you were going to ask maybe which, which was my favorite team. I would say realistically those teams were best equipped, particularly 2017. It was just very, very deep. Yeah, they were loaded. Justin Williams, you know, Nate Schmidt. When you consider that, when, when you consider that they won in 2018, Given what they had lost that previous off, yep. I think they had lost six regulars. They had Shattenkirk too. Johnson I think among them, yeah. Shattenkirk was the big, the big ad at the deadline that we all. Yeah, thought, oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah, so. exactly. They went all in and and didn't work out in the end. So that that seventeen team was really really well equipped. But what I'm getting at too is the other Presidents Trophy winning team going back early in the decade, early in the Ovechkin 2010 team. That that was, and I kind of put this in air quotes fun. I don't know if that's the appropriate word. That was the most interesting team, I would say, to follow that season. They were not the answer to your question, which was most yeah. Stanley Cup. That, that team proved to have its flaws and its holes, and it was very much high event hockey, if you recall. They, they were, you know, they behind 4-1 and yeah. win games 6-5 in overtime. Yeah. And this time of year, late January, early February, that team went on an incredible 14-game winning streak. Yeah. I mean, to go off topic here, but that team, they were just a, an easy, fun watch. Bruce Boudreaux behind the bench. Yep. Being at the point, doing his thing and chipping in offensively. It wasn't sustainable, but it was very easy on the eyes. It was a lot of fun yeah. to watch. And they were young. They were kids. They they were, they, it was it was a very fun team. To yeah. I, I keep saying fun, but it was, it was an interesting oh, Yeah. I mean, like, back to Backstrom, that's the Backstrom 101 point era yep. right there in like 2011-ish. Yeah. 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 33 I, goals. I, Talk about him being a sniper. Yeah. Yeah. I would say for, for me, my, that tw- I think it was the 14-15 season where we lost to the Rangers game seven overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Stepan puts it away off the faceoff. That was like the most disappointing loss to me, I think. Like that was the ho- most heartbreaking because I just – I think we, we were talking about it earlier. I think it was a three – we were up three, one of the series maybe. And it just – yeah, and it just felt like that was – that year felt like it was our year. Yeah, they had a history of that. And what I remember about that – what I remember my thought of that being was, okay, it was year one under Barry Trotz. They were bringing most of the core back. But what I do remember was thinking that was the last best chance Mike Green had. And the yeah. deep run. That, that was the end of Mike Green. And we sort of had an idea going into that postseason. He didn't have a contract extension. They had just spent a lot of money on Orpik and Niskanen. The writing was on the wall. He was inevitably going to move on. When you talk about core pieces of, of the Ovechkin era, 
among them. Mike Green was always one who, who I enjoyed interacting with and who I thought was, again, very easy on the eyes. Again, had his flaws defensively at times, no question. Yep. But you knew what you got with Mike Green. And if you were able to accept that, he was, uh, he, he was, he was an interesting piece to that core. And uh, one, one that comes to mind when you bring up that 2015. And Joel Ward, too. That was his last yep. opportunity here in Washington. Yeah, we were just so attached to those guys. That's why I think it was so disappointing. You knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. Eric Fair too. Yeah, I think there were a few that that was that was the end for them. Yep. So uh, bringing it to a more positive note with the Capitals, we talked to Rob Carlin about his experience when the Capitals won the Cup. But did you and your team uh, celebrate the Cup in any way similar to how the Capitals actually celebrated it? <laughs> well, can't say we were jumping into fountains and what. <laughs> uh, no, it was um, what 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 an experience, what a memory. Uh, we were obviously we were there in Vegas and. Um, had the opportunity with, with the radio team, with my colleagues, John Walton and Ken Saber, and we went after the game. I, I, I won't share too many details here, but there was sort of a, a reception. It wasn't just for the team itself. It was for a team, family members, team employees. It was, you know, maybe a hundred plus folks. And, um, you know, Stanley Cup was there and it was handed to me from, from John Walton, who at that point I had already worked several years with and able to get a, a great picture out of it and and great memories and and the whole run you know what it's it's, it's funny fellas I, I don't know how rob described it to you guys but during the run i, know, I hope you could appreciate this we're working you, you enjoy it it's yeah. it's such a cool career experience to cover a team on a run like that but when you're in the run i'm, I'm trying to think how to explain this you don't know that you're on a stanley cup run Right. Like they, they, you're in the just another day at the rink doing your job. And yeah, but like you're in the second round in Pittsburgh, it could end within a week, just in mm -hmm. the second round, you go to the conference finals against Tampa Bay, which to be honest, was actually my favorite series. You would think it was the, the Stanley cup final. That seven game series against Tampa Bay. I just, I, I love that series. The back-to-back -back shutouts in game six and seven from Holtby were, were something but that, that's my point. They're down that series three games to two. It could end. And then you go to Tampa Bay for game seven. Like you're, you're not sure you have in the back of your mind, this could be a Stanley Cup run. But when you're in it, you don't know that you are actually experiencing a Stanley Cup run while you're in it until you get to the finals. And it's, you know, okay, we're, we're in the Stanley Cup final now. So what I'm getting at was when it was all done, when it was all said and done, I referenced that night, team reception, Got to lift the Stanley Cup, which was a very cool experience. Yeah. It was days later. Maybe. It, yeah. It was days later when they had the parade. And I was fortunate we had a couple of the couple of the cars there, the, the convertibles that, that we rode in, part of the procession I rode in, in with color analyst Ken Sabrin. And that day was where I think it it hit me and I fully got to enjoy it. I wasn't I wasn't working. We we were enjoying. We were mm. really there to enjoy, if you recall. I mean, it was a perfect day sun splash day everyone's in a great mood i remember i kept looking at ken sabrin in, in the backseat of the convertible with me riding down constitution avenue just saying ken it's a tuesday at 11 30 a.m and all of dc is drunk and yeah <laughs> and we are enjoying ourselves cheers to that and it was just it was so much fun and it was yeah i was gonna ask if you caught any beers on the parade route there we were well stocked yeah in, 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 in the car ride, thanks to our friends, I believe, at Lindsay Ford, if I have that correctly. It was, it, it was a, a plug. 
it was a great time and, and to watch the, the fans down the, you know, it was, it was just packed. I'm not sure if you guys had an opportunity to be down there. It was just, oh, we were there. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. What, a, what a, what a, what a, what a great day. Me and, a, me and Matt over here got a third degree sunburn. I'm pretty sure that day. I bet. How was, did oh, you yeah. get there? We got nice. there at six, six thirty. Six, six thirty. So yeah. did you have a decent spot? Oh, we were right up pretty much on the stage almost. Yeah. Yep. We just got oh, there wow. six, so 6.30, yeah. had a bag of pancakes and like two 30 racks of beer and a thing of fireball. And we were just like, let's <laughs> go. It's going to be a long day. We're here for it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I wasn't even thinking you were, you were near the stage. I was thinking more of the parade route, but that's, that's awesome. No, yeah, yeah, we just, got there earlier. Like, oh, let's get stage. We need stage. Yeah, we yeah. just went right to the stage. So that was so awesome. awesome. So yep. much fun. Yep. And then uh, speaking of fun, I asked just about everybody this that comes on, but do you have your own personal OV story that kind of adds to his legend? Like anything that you've seen from you're like, holy, like that's OV. <laughs> <laughs> um, pro- probably, honestly, probably might come across a boring answer, pro- probably just in game, to be honest, we're, we're doing our jobs. And you could be in the third period of a game, models are losing four to two. And maybe through 40 minutes, he has one shot on goal, two attempts. And then the third period comes along and like he could have a hat trick in 10 minutes. Yep. And like one that comes to mind was last year, if you remember this, right before the All-Star break, they were in New York visiting Barry Trotz's New York Islanders. And it was right before the All-Star break, they were losing four to one. Yep. Second Mm -hmm. position. And this was when he was starting to get closer to 700. I think he had a third period hat trick where I'm doing this on top of my head. I think he passed Mario Lemieux. Yep. Tied Stevie Y. Like the names that he was just hitting in a game that for 40 minutes seemed like, all right, last game before the All Star break. These guys are checked out. They have vacation plans, All Star break, bye week, whatever is coming up. And his ability to just take over a game. I know maybe you were looking for like a personal anecdote, but that's, that's how I, that's something that I will so many examples like that yeah definitely well yeah he, he it's a it's a run-of-the-mill regular season game and that's Ovi. and i hope he, folks don't take that for granted because in 10 years you ain't having that mm-hmm. i think he had passed Solani like only two games before that and the difference between him and lemieux were like six goals yeah and he, and he, yeah and that was when he was on like his tear he got the hat mm-hmm. against la too and yeah period. 14 goals in seven games yeah that, that la game is a that, that la game is a perfect example man like that that game that that game as a whole was a stinker <laughs> yeah it was, it was a boring run-of-the-mill interconference game nothing was going on i think it was one nothing game you know yeah. just like wins the game with the hat trick. And then he so, right, cool. i think it was i think it was literally the the quickest hat trick in his career i think it was three goals in, in six minutes 34 seconds something like that it was three goals in about six and a half minutes and so it was the quickest hat trick of his career and govechkin has had north of 20 hat tricks in his career and for this one to have been the quickest and for him to have done it in his 30, 34, his 15th season, yeah. you know, 34 years old last season. That's the other thing too about Ovi, part of his legacy that, that I hope people, again, don't take for granted is what he's been able to do like since the cup at this stage of his career. Yep. To think after the cup and some of his teammates may have fallen under this. After the cup, you would take the foot off the gas pedal just a little bit. And we're joking about the celebrations and how much they enjoyed that summer of 2018. If anybody would have been forgiven in 2019, had the productivity taken a step back just a little bit, you would think Ovi would be that guy. 
And he wasn't. That 2019 team that lost in game seven to Carolina in the first round series, Ovi and Nick were the two real catalysts for that team. And, and in retrospect, and I've shared this before on, on other outlets, it, it, it's funny, Alex, because you were asking earlier which team before the cup did I think was, was the you know, mo- closest or could have won a cup, and it's a shame they didn't. 2019, the way Nick and Alex were both playing, it's such a shame that they, they lost that first round series to Carolina. And you can ask in retrospect, well, Kempney got hurt, Oshie got hurt, how much did they really have left, even if they had gotten past that first round series? Right. But what I'm getting at is I feel it was almost a wasted opportunity of how good those two, and Alex in particular, Ovechkin, came back that year. And it almost gets lost in the shuffle because everyone's attitude was, well, they won in 2018. Let's enjoy. You were, they were still on the victory tour. Yeah, it was literally who gives a damn. They 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 won last exactly. year. Exactly. It was about a first round exit. It's like I mean, it's still kind of exactly, sucks. exactly. And I and I've seen them lose a lot of game sevens on home ice over the last decade, right? As we yeah. all, and I, and I remember when they lost, and it was in double overtime to Carolina. I remember when they lost that that night. It wasn't the sky is falling. Oh, DC curse. No, it was they left the ice to an ovation. Because it was thank you for 2018, the victory tour that we got to enjoy this 2019 season. But I do think it, it does get lost in the shuffle a little bit. How, how well a number of key cogs played on that team. And it's unfortunate that not everyone did their share of lifting. And I really believe in retrospect that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, how do you I, feel about the Hurricanes trying to force a rivalry on Washington since then? I'm all for it. I, I'm, I'm really all for it. And, it. and it's funny, too, because talking about Carolina and, and this region, it's funny because, as you guys might know, like college hoops down there. Number yeah, one. insane. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's Duke Carolina, right? Duke Carolina is the rivalry in, in the triangle. Of course it is. And here for years, Maryland, Maryland kind of, Duke was Maryland's rival. And Duke always looked at Maryland and said, nah. Uh, you're yeah. not our rival. Get out of yeah. here. Our rivalry is North Carolina, Maryland. Get out of here. Yeah. You're, you're not yeah. our rival. Maryland would be, no, Duke is our rival. Duke's our rival. And now it's almost like the reverse, but with hockey, Carolina wants the rivalry with the Capitals, and the Capitals are saying, eh, you know what? We got the Penguins. We got the Flyers. We're all set. Yeah. Thanks, we got, we got them. We got I'm the Rangers. That's, have, have you guys seen games down there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we maybe. drove down me and ab drove down last year for a friday night game and it's like it was like the new year's game the, like the new year's the january 2nd game january 3rd game january 3rd down. i think yeah. was that a crazy yeah. comeback too no it was a three two no game. it was a okay four two four two maybe three two game i don't know um, we, we were leading the we led the game the entire time i think it was like one nothing one one two one dougie i know that was a game where dougie hamilton buried oshi behind their net Oh, yeah, uh, he may have gotten. Did he get suspended? He may have gotten suspended for it. I'm not 100. Oh, sure. when he like punched him in the back of the head. Or yeah, whatever. and yeah. Samsonov, Samsonov like played out of his mind. That was, that was yeah. a Samsonov game. It was three yeah. two game. I what I'm getting at nice though, that, that's it's, it's an easy, night. it's 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 an easy drive. Yeah, it's an easy yeah. Drive. Parking is readily available at that arena. I mean, the yeah, it's a, it's a football it's, stadium. Yeah. <laughs> so and tickets there at least for now are still not this year, obviously, but tickets in general, there are mm-hmm. somewhat readily available. Uh, they don't yep. you know, Carolina hurricanes then they haven't quite made it to uh, sell out status just yet. I've always yep. found that that's, if you're going to do a road trip, 
That's a great place. Oh, we loved it. Yeah, it was visit. awesome. Like like you said, it was it was five dollar beer night on a Friday night. We were live like, bands awesome. at the arena. We're go. like, what the? Heck? This is a party. Yeah, they had live bands, and that was the first thing we said when we parked. We were like, this this is an easily a very tail tailgatable place. Yeah. Like like we can't do that at, at the Caps really. I mean, and we have to go were to they bars, in January? Because I know during the playoffs, it was tailgate heavy. No, they didn't tailgate because it was raining. It was, it was, it was like raining pouring bad, down so. January night. Yeah. But I, I can tell you from that 2019 playoff series, it was, it was a blast. Yeah. Like, but I'll, I'll be honest, like born and raised in Montreal, you know, some folks north of the border, you know, kind of look down at non-traditional hockey markets because yeah. they do things differently down there and the most you know knowledgeable or cheering or appreciating the intricacies of the game i said a heck with that let them let them do let let them have and this goes for for any market on you know go go to yeah. the game enjoy it sell the you know let's sell the game let's that's like yeah exactly that's how you grow the every game. market unique yep yep i completely agree and that's a fun one raleigh i i, I love going to games there yeah um, so shifting it back to the, uh, Sammy Vanacek, uh, we mentioned it earlier. Um, I actually, t- uh, asked about, uh, asked this to Sam Pell the, uh, the other day I was, I, this is my hot take of the season that Vanacek would become the number one starter on this team. And it looks like he's taken over here. Uh, I mean, what do you think, what do you think happens when Sammy comes back? Do you think it's a still a one, a one B situation, or you think they're just going to let Vanacek ride until he has a couple of games where he fudges up. Maybe a little of column A, a little of column B there. I think it, I think it could be a 1A, 1B. You just yeah. flip in the A and the B. <laughs> I mean, yeah. To, compared to what you would have had at the start of the year. My, my thought on this is that when Samsonov returns, he isn't going to be handed the keys and told, there's your net. <laughs> Good luck. Right. Yeah, he, he's gonna he's he's gonna have to earn it back. He's gonna have to put together uh, a few few you know a, a nice resume, a nice workload before before that happens. That that being said, and th- this is just my thought here. If you're asking me now who I think will be the Capitals playoff starter in the Stanley Cup playoffs, he can come back and play this to me the second week of May. But my my thought is Samsonov will be that game one postseason starter, but. It's possible Vanacek ends up with more regular season yeah. starts because he's built. Right. Yeah. We're only 10 games into the season. Already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We but like to I, take I, things I, and just stretch them until they yeah. just don't make any sense. What's a sample yeah. size? Exactly. But, you know, good, good on, good on Vanacek. It's, uh, it's great. First of all, let's acknowledge it's, it's a great story. Guy spends five years in the minor leagues, you know, South Carolina and Hershey. And it's not like he's a sixth or a seventh round pick. He's a second yeah. pick in 2014. It's a guy yep. who's, you know, came in with some some pedigree and who you know had had a had a certain status as as a prospect, and for him to have to wait his turn like that, a couple of All Star selections in the AHL, a lot of other organizations, he would have had that opportunity already. There were just a lot of roadblocks ahead of him on the depth chart, and for it to have come up in this manner, and for him to have taken advantage of the opportunity like he has, good on him. Good yep. on. Him. It's been a fun yeah. one. Love it. So kind of switching your career a bit here, kind of take us through how it all started, you know, like the passion for media. I don't know if you had any specific dream job in mind, if that was to be like a radio host or a, maybe a play-by-play guy of any sport or anything like that. So what was the start like for you coming up? Yeah, I think I've wanted to work in sports media since I was a fetus, pretty much. Uh, since <laughs> I, I will, we'll go with that. I was 
you know, six, seven, eight years old making homemade newspapers, cutting out pictures from Sports Illustrated and gluing them and trying to make my own little magazines and whatever. So it was, it was from early. And, and it's funny because this has been relayed to me from my older sister and my father. When they took me to, to hockey games when I was a little guy, we used to go to the Montreal Forum. First couple of times they took me to the game to see the Canadians, again, having grown up in Montreal, obviously I'd been watching hockey on TV. So when we went to the Montreal Forum, the first couple of times I was very confused as a little guy why there wasn't an announcer. So I thought you were supposed to, like you're in the building. I thought, little Ben, I thought I was supposed to announce. So I did. And then I guess after a few minutes, it got old and I was told to down, but the first few, everybody behind you just smacking you yeah, in the back of the head. The first like, few times the I, went, I went to the Montreal forum. I just started doing the play by play when they dropped the puck and uh, started, started, uh, started doing that. So anyway, so it's, it's, uh, it's obviously been, been in the blood for, uh, for a long time. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, made the gradual, you know, high school paper and yeah still a teenager actually got my first job there was a startup sports radio station in montreal which is now tsn 690 it's under the tsn umbrella in montreal at the time it was called team 990 and not a big deal 19 years old i was really lucky i don't know how this happened i didn't even intern they gave me a paying job right off the bat i was nice. much but that good but, but it was uh it was a foot in the door it was a foot in the door it was making ten dollars canadian an hour and uh and just uh took advantage and uh you know did did everything that was asked of me and more and you know that was that was that was the start of the, the passion started early and you know got got working fairly early too so i was lucky in that regard nice love it and then and then i mean the kind of the cool part is is i mean later down the road you get a job with the canadians doing the i believe it was like the weekend post game shows who 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 was on that team at the time like who was really enjoyable to kind of like Nobody good. So <laughs> Nobody it wasn't a good, good team. I was going to say, was there anybody like enjoyable on that? Cause I'm, I'm assuming that's your first job in like hockey in the NHL. You're like, I get to do my hometown Canadians. And you're like, damn, this yeah. team sucks. No, um, no, they, they, yeah. Suck might be a stretch. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I guess that the best players were, so this is like, Oh, six, Oh, seven ish. Seven. They missed the playoffs on the final night of the season. So, you know, they were, they were on the cusp there. Expectations, of course, in Montreal are always much higher than it coming down last night of the season to see if you make the playoffs. But came down to the final night of the season. Faces of that team included uh, Saku Koivu. Yeah, I was going to say, how to be Koivu? I think Alexei Kovalev was still on that team. Koivu was, was probably, if I'm wording this appropriately, he was probably one of my last favorite players as a fan, you know, before I kind of flip that switch and you start working and covering athletes and eventually said athletes are younger than you and the whole thing gets weird, but yep. it was probably the last one. If I think back to, you know, when I was Mark, Andre Markov, right. He had to been there. Andre Markov was on that team. Yeah. Yeah. No, there were names. My commissary was, was partnered with, with Andre Markov. I'm actually trying to think who the goalie was because Jose Theodore was traded in 06, 2006. No, I think it was, that was pretty yeah, he was still He was still QA. in the minors. Shoot, Just I should about? know this. I'm embarrassed. I don't. Who was the Canadians goalie it, in 2007? Someone think, up on uh, hockey DB because because Theodore had been traded in 06. I think Ben's right over here. I think was it's Christabel Huey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Hugh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huey was there in 07. Hip hip hip, hip Huey. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, because so, it, it was it was the period between Theodore and Price. Yeah. So you were raised as a Montreal fan, right? Were you Canadians and, and Expos, by the way? Expos were really okay. 
So were you rooting low key for the uh, Montreal Canadiens in that uh, when they disappointed us no. in seven games? Okay. <laughs> no, and, and I'm laughing because it. I think it became apparent that you were a Montreal guy. No, no, <laughs> just the opposite. It became apparent to me that spring that that was behind me. Oh, that, okay. That and 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 and. I'll say again, I referenced a moment ago, like it's different when you, when you work with or for or cover a team, you want them to do well. It's good for business when they do well and you want to cover deep postseason runs, but it's, it's different than when you're a fan and when you're the Montreal Canadians were kind of like a childhood team of mine. if you will. And it's funny because even when I covered them briefly in Montreal, before I, I moved to the U S when I started to cover the Canadians and I was in my early twenties, I started to see some things just not, it's nothing against the Canadians, just natural. You see things when you cover pro sports, I started to see things that it kind of rubbed off the, uh, the innocence that you have when, when you're, you know, a kid or a teenager following your favorite team, you, yeah. just, you know, a guy who maybe you were a fan of when he says he'll talk to you for a few minutes and, then he never shows up for said interview. All of a sudden, you know, you, yep. you start to see some things. So, so never, never met your heroes, right? Or is yeah, that how so it goes? I'll say that the, the Canadians were, were a childhood team of mine. And then when we came to Washington, it was, uh, you know, we, we, we put it behind us. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, going off that, I have to ask, as Ben from Canada, who covers the Capitals, how did you make your way to Washington covering the Capitals? Yeah, short, short version, real short version is, I did a master's degree at Syracuse University in uh, 07, 08-ish. And from Syracuse, we ended up with uh, a placement here in the DC area in Washington. And it was, I was with WTOP radio and the Capitals were actually, the flagship station at the time was 1500 AM, which is part of WTOP. And long story short, I was here that summer, worked my rear end off with WTOP. It was part of the Syracuse program when the pro- when the summer program ended. Went back up north to Canada, but I told the folks here, if anything opens up, I really enjoy this area. I like working here. If anything opens up in the next few months, you know, please please let me know. I'm I'm, I'm on the I'm on the job hunt. Would love to return. And um, took a while, but about eight months later, I got an email out of the blue saying there was an opening. Be part of it was actually Caps and Nationals broadcast at the time. We were both on 1500 and I wasn't told you have the job. I was told, here's the opening. Here's the link online. If you want to send in your resume and material and et cetera. And one thing led to another and I was down and been here for uh, 12 years since. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of assuming the NHL was always the end goal as a Canadian kid. I mean, you're not like a random guy from, I don't know, Idaho that grew up and covering high school football and stuff like that. And just ends up with the caps job because it was available. So it was like the NHL kind of always the end goal for you. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> anything in sports. It was just, no. just anything at all. To, no, to, I'm, I'm laughing because to, to Ben's point, also part of the draw actually of leaving Montreal to work in sports media was that Montreal, and I had covered the, the CFL's Montreal Alouettes, and I <laughs> really loved that. I, I really enjoyed that. But Montreal, at the end of the day, it's hockey yeah. all the mm-hmm. time. All the time. And that didn't appeal. So you wanted, pretty much, you wanted to get somewhere where they had everything. 
I, I, I'm a huge, huge baseball fan referenced earlier, the Montreal Expo, mm-hmm. really my team growing up more so than the Canadians. Yeah. I've read somewhere you'd like want them to come back to Montreal if they can, which love, means like if the, if the laws, the if the laws of give and take work, that means we would have to send them back to you. So if you want to apologize <laughs> yeah. to like the listeners that are NAS fans for being selfish, feel free to do so. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm sensitive to teams moving. I, I don't, yeah, I, yeah. They get an expansion team because I went through that as a Montreal Expos fan. It was, it was no fun watching the Expos move in, in 2004. And then, by the way, it's kind of funny that I did wind up here of all places. And yes, here. so no baseball and, and, and U.S. college hoops, NCAA basketball. NCAA basketball were two of my favorites. And so the draw of going to the U.S. in part was to be able to, to work with some of those other sports and teams and leagues. And then it just so happened I came here. I referenced the Capitals and the Nationals were, were both aligned with the radio station I worked for originally and continue to do some work for uh, all these years later. Um, but eventually the, the Capitals were the team that, it, honestly, it just worked out that way when there were overlaps in April, you know, when, when the Caps were in the playoffs and the Nats was just getting underway. They kept putting me on the hockey one. <laughs> they kept <laughs> And hey, I, and I, I love hockey and I love hockey. And you can tell the, the passion and I'm so appreciative that I've been able to cover the Capitals. What a de- you know, if you're going to cover any team over the last decade, what a fun ride we've had and, and the ebbs and flows, but certainly more highs than lows along the way. Um, what a great organization to, to have been aligned with. But uh, yeah, it's really, it's kind of a coincidence and funny how that played out. Cause no, that was, that was not, that was not the goal all along. That's not how, how we thought it would play out. Right. Uh, so we met, we've mentioned about a billion times about all the, the billion jobs that you have. Uh, what do you got? WTOP, uh, you work for the MLB as well. Uh, you don't have to pick a favorite, but I am going to ask if, if there is a favorite. And uh, what are the biggest differences in, in each position? Good question. So I'll, I'll keep the capital separate because that's my primary work. That's the one that most of the energy goes goes towards them. So. Out of the other ones that that I do work with, I just I, I really like baseball. So yeah. the as I've made clear, uh, really you like baseball? Yeah. So a, a lot the of team. the um, a lot of the work with with MLB.com, which by the way I should reference to is is you know on occasion it's it's when the schedule is in the off season. Um, I've had a, I've had an opportunity to, to do some some good work with MLB.com. Just being at the park batting practice. It's, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a nice environment. I find it to be a, a change of pace compared to, um, you know, to, to the NHL. It's just, it, it, it's something different. I, I like the telling the different stories. There's always something with baseball, mm-hmm. you know, pregame, whether it's injury, re, you know, it's, it, sometimes it's mundane, but there's always some news with baseball. And when you come well, there's going to be when there's a 755 yeah. games. Well, exactly. And, and, and over the course of a three game series, part of what I do with MLB.com is essentially without going into too much detail, they have a full-time correspondent with all 30 teams that cover, they don't cover all 162 games, the full-time correspondents. They might cover 120 out of 162 and they'll not necessarily travel to every city. So the New York Yankees correspondent, for example, might not make the trip to Baltimore in the middle of June. Right. Again, it's a run of the mill series in the middle of June, but to get embedded with the Yankees for three games, 
and to follow the stories, you know, stories with legs, as we say, you know, a player is in a slump to begin the three game series, maybe at the end of the three or four game series, he hits the walk off, you know, wouldn't be a walk off if they're the road team, but you know what I mean? They hit the game when yeah. they come with something late in the game. It, I, I very much enjoy the, the experiences with, with MLB.com amongst other outlets I, I do work for as well, but, but that's one that I always look forward to. For sure. All right. Um, so going back to the Capitals, if we haven't talked about them enough, I was just wondering what it's like working with and being around uh, John Walton. I imagine it's just kind of like having Morgan Freeman around you it. all the time. It's awful. <laughs> it's awful. When we're at the game together, you know, he we have a space heater in the booth because it's freezing cold. He just keeps it all for himself. We get <laughs> and skittles, just he hogs it all. It's it's miserable. No, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, no, it's what an asshole. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, we have. <laughs> We, we have, we have, we have too much fun. We have way too much fun. <laughs> we, people, people should be so lucky to have as much fun as we do. And with Ken Sabrin as well. And, and Mike Callow who works uh, studio side as well with us, we're, we're a fun team engineer named Tim Parker. We've been the same team for four or five years now. I I've been, you know, John's been there since 2012. I've been there since 2010. Ken predates all of us. And Mike and Tim joined the team in, in production and tech, technical roles over the past few years. But we have a blast. Um, and John is John. John is a pro. There's a reason why John continues to get assignments with NBC Sports Network and you know, yeah, called called women's hockey for the 2018 Winter Games over in South Korea. Um, you know, just prepared. The calls are terrific. The drops and nuggets, the information, the entertainment value. You know, John knows if it's a 4-1 game on the West Coast and it's 12:30 in the morning and we're in the first period, we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna we're gonna reach out. You know, whether it's on Twitter or on air. You know, ask fans for for some interaction, some some conversation. You know, where are you listening from? Send us your pictures. Anything to kind of keep the conversation going and. We, we, we have a blast and, and to have been able to share 2018 on the road for all four series with John and Ken, because I don't travel during the regular season. I, I do travel in the postseason to have shared that with them. Uh, you know, I couldn't have, I, I mentioned earlier, John handed me the Stanley cup. John went out and got, John had, had, had seen the cup earlier in the evening on ice. I had stayed upstairs in Vegas in the broadcast booth doing the post game show John and Ken had gone downstairs and they each got their moment with the cup. And when we were at that team reception, I referenced in the team hotel, John made it a point. I think he took the cup from Matt Niskanen said, Matt, we <laughs> took the cup from Niskanen, gave it to me. And he just said, here, Ben, do your thing. And I looked at this thing, lifted it up. He took a picture, which fortunately came out very well. And what more can you ask for? Can you say? There's no, there's no John, goddamn, John that, ex, so. there's no expos on this trophy. I'm confused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, that's funny because I remember, I mean, saying this player's name will probably date it to when it was, but I remember John, I tweeted at John Walton during a game one time, and I think it was one of those games because it was when uh, Lena Somark was in Edmonton, I believe it was years and years ago, and I was a big fan of his growing up. I always used to watch his like YouTube highlights and everything, but Is everything on the, YouTube, uh, he, did he was the, always doing the, the crazy shootout moves and everything. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. and like, they always referred to him as Linus Omar, and 
I'm listening to the radio and John Wallen's like Linus Omar. And I tweeted out, I was like, Hey, you're saying his name wrong. He's like, no, I'm not you idiot. Here's the statue that has the name broken out how to say. And I was like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> gotta, gotta, gotta love those pronunciations. Also, doesn't he just, does he kind of have like a Morgan Freeman effect with his voice? Uh, no, what, what, yeah, what he's, you he's hear got like is, the Morgan uh, Freeman voice. What, what you hear is what you get. His, his, his pipes are authentic. Yes. <laughs> So talking to him must just be a lot of fun, just listening to him. Oh, yeah. No, but uh, yeah. anyways, have you ever like had said, like a great time? Yeah, going uh, going back towards non-John Walton related stuff. Have you ever had any uh, crazy like backstage experiences at the hockey rink? Like whether you witnessed something crazy between a couple famous players that you know, or if you were involved in anything crazy, <laughs> just a crazy story, basically. Yeah, this is this is fun. Time to give us clicks. Yeah, this, well, because he said, yeah, behind the scenes. This was early on when I when I was covering the team, early on when I started covering them, maybe my second year, 2011-ish. Bruce Boudreau was here. He's the subject of the story. And Bruce, Bruce was great. Still is great. See him on TV these days? He's doing a good job. Yeah. So, so he finished a meeting with the media at what was then known as the Kettler Capitals Ice Flex. So they had finished practice. And he did the standard meeting with the media. And when the lights went off, the cameras went off, the recorders were shut. He just stuck around and he, he shot the breeze with us as he typically did. And Bruce was a big Notre Dame football fan. And Oof. they weren't, they weren't having a good year that year. Yeah. <laughs> and he said something off the cuff, obviously off the record. We're just, we're, we're just shooting the, shooting the breeze. Like I said, and he said, man, Notre Dame football, we're so bad this year. I don't even think we could beat Potomac High School, was the line he said. <laughs> and it was funny. And, and we laughed. The media laughed and continued talking. And a few minutes go by, we, I, we retreat to the media room. He goes into his office. And I don't, I, I don't know how big Twitter was at the time, 2011, but I put on the Twitter machine, you know, Bruce Boudreaux on Notre Dame football, we can't even beat Potomac High School. It was funny. Didn't even think anything of it. Anyways, the next day, you know, got a few retweets, whatever. Yeah, didn't, didn't think much of it. Next day, we're back at practice and practice finishes and he's ready to meet with the media. And I get a tap on the shoulder from one of the, uh, the media relations folks with the team at the time. And she says, Bruce wants to see you for a minute in his office. And I have no idea what this is about. Oh boy. See you for a minute in his office. And everyone else, the other media that's gathered there, it's like a kid being sent to the principal's office. Ooh. <laughs> I honestly, had, I, I had no idea what, what, what this was. I wasn't nervous or anything. I didn't, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe he liked something I wrote. I don't know. So I, I get led into the office, which was the first time I'd been in the coach's office. Not that I've been there so many times, but you get brought into an NHL coach's office for the first time, right? Look around, pictures, cool, very nice. Tells me, take a seat. He was very friendly. Sit down, Ben. All right. Very good. How are you? Good. You? He says, and then, and then he goes, then he goes uh, like full HBO 24-7 on me. He says, I saw what you wrote about me, about Notre Dame on social media. And I said, I said, yeah. I said, I said, yeah, that, that people thought that was funny. He says, what the bleep? I can't even say anything. I can't do anything. Here's the kicker. He says, Notre Dame athletic department, they're calling me, they're calling the Washington Capitals. 
Why is your head coach saying bad things about our team? What did we do to him for him to run his mouth about our football team? And Bruce has given it to me. He's given me a real tongue lashing, f bombs, and the whole deal, and yelling, calling him loud. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm at this point. I, I went into his office. I skipped in. I was excited. I, at this that point, was my job. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I'm, I'm worried. What? Oh shoot! What's going to happen here? So he gives me the tongue lashing. All right, I apologize. We go back outside. He does his meeting with the media. I don't ask any questions. I'm just, I want this awkward. <laughs> he leaves. Media responsibilities are done. I jet home and I get on my laptop and I start looking up Notre Dame athletics, you know, contacts, media relations, SIDs, football coaches, whoever I could get in touch with. I call them all these numbers. I get through to people. I say, Ben Raby here in Washington, Capitals Radio Network, et cetera. Sincerely sorry. I understand a tweet of mine about Bruce Boudreaux. They're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, okay, does it? Then I call somebody else. Hi, apologies, the tweet, the Capitals coach. They're like, we have no idea what, did you guys hear something about this? No, no. Listen, Ben, we appreciate your calling us, but nobody knows what you're talking about. Bruce set me up. <laughs> what I had done, he saw the tweets. He wasn't happy about it that I put him out like that, but he may have exaggerated, may have stretched the truth. Yeah, it said he had, yeah, they had the whole athletic department on you. Yeah, and I understood what he was doing. And in retrospect, I understood what he did. And I could laugh about it now. And, and uh, Bruce has been very good to me since. It's been years since he's been here in Washington, going back to 2012. And I've right. green light to, to call him for stories, for perspective. Uh, you know, anytime I'm doing something on Ovechkin from the early years and he's good to me. So I can laugh about that now, but that, that's, a, that's a funny behind the scenes story tale for you there. Mm, that's hilarious. That's did, it ever, did it ever come back, like come up again, like ever? No, uh, probably if I probably if I told him about it, he wouldn't remember any. He'd be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would say that to me. Yeah, I was exactly. waiting for you to walk in the office, and he's like, "I got somebody for you to meet." The Potomac football yeah. coach walks in behind you. <laughs> no, he uh, he set me up good there, but uh, that's, that's pretty funny. funny. One day I'll, I'll I'll mention it to him. Yes, <laughs> that's a that's that's a top story. That's a top story that we got. That's, that's hilarious. I can't believe you. Like just to just to cuss you out. I mean, we like you said on twenty four seven. Like just f you, f this. Like yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what? Oh man. Yeah. I, I would not but, be. I would. I would have been crying. I was wondering why Notre yeah. Dame would care, but that but makes sense. You know what? The, the 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 funny thing too is, um, you know, it goes to show you though, if he did that with me, it makes you wonder too. The odd time as a coach, you bring in a young player, mm-hmm. rookie. Cool. Maybe somebody who doesn't have a grasp of the English language. Maybe the head coach wants to get a message across. I'm sure the truth is stretched more than on occasion. Yep. Just goes to show you that, uh, you know, messages could be, could be delivered. I'll tell you what, after that, even, even though Notre Dame said they had no idea what I was talking about, (laughs) I recognized, you know, you got to be careful and just be aware of those sort of things. Right. See, my, my smart ass would have gone right up to him. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? They didn't say anything about this. But that's why I'm here. You're there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so transitioning a little bit here. Uh, did, obviously, you're from Montreal. We've said it like a million times. Uh, did you grow up playing? I did. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun. So it was every Saturday. 
Saturday, I mean, you guys know of Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. Saturdays in Canada is just hockey all day from oh, yeah. when you're a little guy, you play in the morning, you know, your house league games. If you're good enough or lucky enough to be on a travel team, you know, you get your tournaments on Saturday, maybe you're playing multiple games and then, you know, you get together with your buddies at night and maybe have a sleepover party. I'm talking when you're a little guy and you watch Hockey Night in Canada. That was always a big deal. So I enjoyed it at the time. I have maybe even a greater appreciation for, for what it was when, when I was up there, but I, I played, played, you know, compet- I say competitive. I wasn't on a travel team, but I played house leagues growing up until I was about 13, 14 years old. And unfortunately I was never the, the biggest guy. And when the contact came in and a little bit more physicality on the ice at that age, it was sort of suggested that, that maybe it wasn't, wasn't in my best interest to continue playing, but uh, the passion stayed. I, I played whatever ball hockey, roller hockey, street yep. hockey. I played all that. Continue to play that actually. Yeah, me and you both, man. I was I was too small to be good, so I, I moved yeah. over to roller hockey. Yeah, I was yeah. too bad to be good. So, but <laughs> uh, but I but I played I played growing up. Absolutely, everyone did. Everyone played. Yep. You played until you couldn't. You played until you couldn't, or you figured out that you weren't good enough. But everybody. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Well, once my dad said, "Dude, you don't have a shot of doing anything," I was like, "All right, well, I'll, I'll do something else." Like pops. Yeah, but I but I but I loved it. I yeah, I, yeah loved yeah. it. And uh we can't go through the interview without mentioning that you're an author. So I have to ask what inspired you to write the what is it, thousand things, Caps fans, you know? Oh, a thousand would have been very long. Okay, it's a hundred. It's a hundred, yeah. right. And I was just wondering how you could even think of that many because I would tap out at like twelve with my knowledge. Yeah. So um yeah, no, it was a great uh great experience. And it came through from a publishing company in Chicago. They have a series. It's been done on other teams, a hundred things, Blackhawks fans should know and do, et cetera, and and all these other teams. So they were interested in doing a Capitals one and uh, got in touch with me. Uh, Somebody I know, a colleague had had dropped my name to to the publishing company, which I appreciated. And yeah, the, the best part of that experience, Ben, was in writing the book and telling the stories of, Caps history did interviews with like more than 60 former and current players, coaches, executives. And that was, that was my favorite part of the whole experience that writing the book was work. The writing was work, but doing the research and interviewing and talking to, like I said, so many former players and executives, that was, that was a whole lot of fun. And, and, you know, from the stories, which some of which are very funny from early in the day when they weren't very good, (laughs) you know, they missed the playoffs eight straight years to start out as a franchise. We chronicled some of those stories and nuggets to, you know, when they started to get good, but had the playoff disappointments. It's funny. The book came out fall 2017. Then lo and behold, they they go out and they win the cup. And the funny thing was the, the, the first person who asked me to, to sign the book, it caught me off guard, actually. The, the very first person asked me to sign the book. It caught me off guard because, first of all, I didn't even know. They, they were supposed to come out, like, the following week. And somehow this fan, this random fan, came up to me at the Keller Capitals Iceplex, had a copy of the book. I said, shoot, I haven't even seen one. Where did you get this? <laughs> and then he asked me, and then he asked me to sign it, which I had not. I, I've never signed a book before. I had not been through this exercise. So everything caught me off guard and just on the spot, and thinking quickly, like for an inscription, what could I write? And I just wrote, I don't know why I did it, why, what came to me. I just wrote, may this be the year. 
and I signed the book. And this is fall 2017. Damn. And then it occurred to me after I did that, I just thought of it on the spot. Again, I don't know what made me think of it. I wrote, may this be the year, best wishes, Ben Raby. And then I said, eh, you know what? I'll keep doing that. Why not? Good enough. Yeah. <laughs> and then I did it the whole way through. And then, of course, they, they win the cup. And then after going on that long run, a lot of work, totally worth it. Great Stanley Cup run, as we've established, but a lot of work went into the Stanley Cup run. And when they finished in mid-June there, I took a sigh of relief. I was ready to spend some more time with my family. I had a six-month-old at the time. I get a phone call like a week later from the publishing company. Hey, can you uh, update the book? We'd like to include a few chapters on the run that they just had. And at that point, it's kind of, you know, I say this jokingly, it was like the last thing I wanted to do, but uh, in retrospect, no, we were more than happy to, to update it and include some, some tales from, from the 2018 run, win over Pittsburgh, and win over Vegas and, and all that. So the whole thing was a lot of fun. But like I said, the best part was getting in touch with uh, so many former players and hearing them, you know, sort of unveil the curtain and, and tell some of their stories. Because retired, real quick, retired players, first of all, they have a lot of time. Some of them do. Some, some of them have post-playing careers. But some of them have, have some time. And, and we've noticed by the ones that answer our DMs that quick compared to the ones yeah. that are still on red. And, and, they're, and, I, and I mean this in all seriousness, they're mm-hmm. not as programmed as current players are. Current players right. a lot of the They'll give you a little bit more. And they're cliches and they get so many media requests that the current players, you know, they want to limit maybe the time they actually talk and they're, they're always worried about saying the right, wrong thing. The retired players, you know, their give a spit meter is very low. So yeah. they, they're, they're, they're open books. Love it. And, 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 uh, so do you keep signing books like that? Because you yeah. should keep no, signing maybe, books. Yeah, we, 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 had to, we had to change it. I think uh, we, we flipped it from may this be the year to they finally did it. So Love it. Yeah, if somebody asked and me you, to ever sign a book, it'd be like, yeah, what page? And they'd be like, what? Yeah. May this be the year. I mean, you got to take credit for their Stanley Cup win now. I mean, you, you're the one who started it all. Yeah, it's funny. Some <laughs> folks, when they got closer to the cup, did did message me and say, "Hey, you were onto something." And I said, "Yeah, yeah. look." <laughs> you should <laughs> try again. Fell, fell ass backwards <laughs> into that one. Yes. Yeah. So Ben, we re- we greatly appreciate the time, man. Thank you for coming on, telling us these awesome stories, and taking the time. So we'll have you leave us with this. If you had to pick one thing from that book, one of the one of the things that Cavs fans should know, maybe your favorite thing from that book, which one would it be? Probably because I was most surprised to hear it. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this. George McPhee offered this nugget. Great interview, George. When they hired Bruce Boudreau, do you know who, who, who the, uh, the standby was? Putting you guys on the spot now. Mike Babcock. Good guess. I think he was employed in Detroit at the time. Yep. Um, hold on. I'll tell you, it, it, it's, more, it's more a name from... From years ago. Now I'm building it up way too much when I tell you who the name is supposed to be like. Okay, whatever. Uh, is then, it a former so, is it a former cap? It is not guess. a former cap. So mm-hmm. so the deal was I I had been tipped off. It had it had been planted to me that when they hired Boudreaux in 0708, that George was really at the time looking, hoping that Dale Hunter would join him, which he of course did years later. So I asked George the question. So a colleague of mine had planted that seed to me that Dale was on standby. So I asked George for the book. I said, I didn't ask him if Dale was on standby. I kept it open-ended. I just said, when you hired Bruce, was there anybody else you were considering at the time? And he just dropped the name. 
he just said, yeah, there was one other person. We had an offer on the table and that was Pat Quinn. And I, I mentioned Pat Quinn is a name from, from yesteryear. Pat Quinn's a hall of fame coach. He's, he's not yeah. passed away in 2014, but Pat Quinn had been at the time. He was one of the winningest coaches going back to, to 2007, eight George had worked with Quinn in Vancouver in the early mid nineties, got to a Stanley cup final with Vancouver in 94. And then he really took off, not took off, but he had success Pat Quinn did with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he was ultimately let go after the 2006 season. So he was out of work Pat Quinn was again. Yeah, Cause he had like a five year break and he came back to Edmonton for like that one year. He did. Yes. Oh, eight, oh nine. Yes. It, good memory on you. Yes. Unless you're pulling it up on hockey DB, but yes. <laughs> then he came back with the Edmonton Oilers for one season. Yeah. And said, George said Pat Quinn was, was the, uh, was the guy they had on standby and my my antenna went up because a i had never heard that b there's been a lot of talk over the last 20 years of Edgecanero, with the odd exception trots laviolette this team was not in the business of hiring head coaches with a ton of experience no definitely no. would have would have fit that bill and i think it's so interesting in retrospect and by the way the george story first of all i asked i, I asked him to repeat that like, just so I made sure I wasn't hearing things. I had it on tape, but I just said, George, Pat, Pat Quinn? He says, oh, yeah. And then he gave me the whole backstory, how, how they had a prior relationship. They had worked with each other. He, George believes he owes a lot of his career success to, to Pat Quinn, who had kind of mentored him earlier in his career. Um, but, and then I had others in the organization confirm it, that, yes, Pat Quinn was, was the name. And Bruce was crazy, huh? as an interim. He had come up from Hershey, right? All right. And the deal was that Bruce was given a few weeks and if it didn't work out, Pat was going to Washington mm -hmm. and obviously it did work out. And about a month after Bruce took over, they took off the interim tag. George called Pat Quinn said, Pat, we're good. Bruce has them trending in the right direction here, but it's really interesting. It kind of brings it back full circle because earlier in this chat, we were talking about the 2010 capitals and sort of the excitement that those teams had in the rock, the red era when they would just outscore opponents, run and gun, trade chances, very easy on the eyes, all that. But we acknowledge those teams were ultimately flawed, right? They, they didn't play the appropriate hockey that was needed to play, make deep postseason runs. And it's interesting in retrospect, if Pat Quinn had come in and Pat was a different type of coach than Bruce Boudreaux. Oh, yeah. Bruce oh, he wouldn't have been scoring 65 goals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Pat would have, you know, he could have, you know, cracked the whip on occasion and, you know, that type of thing. And it's just interesting in retrospect, would that have been the more appropriate coach at the time? Maybe they wouldn't have had as much regular season success and four straight or five straight division titles, whatever it was. Right. Maybe they would have been better constructed for long-term success in the playoffs. We don't know. It's one of those great what ifs. But you're asking me for a story that came out of that book and the research and the interviews. That was one that, you know, like I said, one of, one of those great what, what ifs, you know, right. could have been different had it played out that way. Yeah, but we'll take we'll take the high scoring over years. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been a coach for a couple of years now, so I'm a big coach nerd. I like to study coaches. But Ben, like we said, thanks again for coming on and taking the time. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll be listening to you on the radio throughout the rest of the season. Hopefully it's a nice long season for us. All right. Thank you, fellas. Yes, deep into deep into the summer. All right, guys, we now welcome on an awesome guest, Dunkirk native, so shout out to CC, baby. We'll start with that. Team Maryland alum spent his high school career at both the Matha and Gilmore Academy. 
Tendi for the Maryland Black Bears, and now the Amarillo Bulls and a couple teams in between. But ladies and gentlemen, Andrew Takis, welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you, man. Yeah. So what we like to do with the local guests, like we said, is kind of take it step by step through your career uh, from the jump. So when did you start playing hockey? Who was the first club you played for? I mean, how did it, how did it all get going? Oh, I, I must have been nine years old. I was my, my dad was from Massachusetts and he loved hockey. So when I was about that age where he knew I could at least start to learn how to skate and right. not, be, not be just falling around out there, he, he said, yeah, give it a try. I played a bunch of sports growing up, played baseball and stuff like that. So it was fun to, you know, get to experience all of it. But yeah, Bowie, Bowie playing rec hockey there was, was fun to learn how to at least skate. And then transitioning the goalie there was awesome. It was a fun time. Closest rink to Calvert County, man. That's the, that's the reason all, me and all oh, yeah. the Calvert County boys started playing, yep. driving up to Bowie. Well, did you ever it play it? It might be past your time. Did you ever play a Dunkirk roller rink? No, I didn't. No, oh, never. Oh, shit. Thank God. <laughs> holes holes in the floor. They have cones on the rink and all the ceiling would come down. It was, it was the nightmare. But that's where we all started. That sounds that like a building. Is that building even up still? Ceiling, ceiling fans coming down. Like yeah, it was like a, it was a world gym for like Well, dude, the, the Fort years. DuPont, everyone, the, the thing was you just drop a roll of tape at the top of the locker room and rolls all the way down. Oh, yeah. man. So funny. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so was it always goalie from the beginning or did you break in as a skater and switch kind of later down the line? And yeah. Then... Other than that rec league, right. You played started yeah. rec D you said. Yeah, it was, it was the one year playing rec hockey as a defenseman and playing with just everybody just learn how to skate and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I don't know, just maybe playing. It was, I guess it was definitely playing street hockey. I was like playing with my dad right. and stuff and I I'd, I'd put on the pads and stuff like that. And it was kind of fun. And he, and my dad was a goalie when he grew up. So he kind of was like, Hey, like, if you want to try it, go ahead. And I, I like I thank him for that all the time. So you, that, I wouldn't be playing what I am now. Absolutely, man. So you said you know you're playing street hockey, playing goalie. Um, when me and Billman were kids, I mean we're what ten years, nine years older than you. The goalie in the area was Kolzik. Everyone wanted to be mm-hmm. Kolzik. He had the oh, dope yeah. helmet, sick pads. Like, was is that is that age difference? I mean, was Kolzik still the guy, or or I mean, who was who's your goalie when you were growing up? Like, who was oh. your favorite? You know. My goalie for sure was like Jose Theodore. Like that was probably like the first one that okay. was in the Caps organization. But then when when Holby came onto the scene, I like I just remember him getting drafted and being with Hershey. I remember he I knew he was gonna be like the stud coming up. Is that heartbreaking kind of like to how hear it coach? always is with the Caps organization? <laughs> yeah. you know, Vanacek now, so it's and you they yeah. got a goalie program going now. You don't realize you're getting old until you start seeing like your old heroes retire. And now yeah. we've got a kid that's <laughs> nine years younger than us. He, yeah. Cole's like, yeah, sure. Like he was the goat for us, man. No, I mean, yeah. it's crazy. My dad used to tell me stories about how he would like buy a ton of cereal boxes and he'd be able to get tickets to caps games and stuff like that. I'm yeah. like, that's crazy. But back when the team was shit and you could just go to the game for like, I remember my dad were going to games back when like Yager was yeah here. we'd like we'd buy them up in like the top of the 100 for 30 bucks and you just sneak down to the glass by the second you, period and you're you, good you could do that at one point in time with a college id um yeah. which i may have doctored but you also <laughs> got a chipotle burrito and it was like 20 bucks wow yeah. love it so building off bob's question there is there a attendee kind of past or present you model your game after like is there a certain like and what kind of goalie are you a hybrid are you a butterfly like i definitely play? say i'm like a hybrid you know when you're when you're six one six two, you know you're right at that gap where like you're almost considered almost a small goalie, and so like yeah. you want to stay on your feet as much as you can. But obviously, like especially with nowadays with guys being able to pick corners everywhere, like they can shoot just as well low as they can high. So it's like you've got to be able to drop down, especially like the side to side stuff like that. You've got to be able to move and be athletic. But for sure, like 
I would definitely say like Holby was a big one just because I think like he almost plays just the same style as me is almost like boring where like, if you're always on top of stuff, you don't have to make a crazy save. But then when he does, it's like, Holy cow, he just made a crazy save. Yeah. So, yeah. You're not making Dominic Hasek style saves yeah. out there. But then some of the time, you know, you got to pull out the flurry and just be out there and be ready to go. When yeah, everyone loves a stack, man. Yeah. yeah. Everyone loves a good stack. So, uh, I mean, we're going to talk about your high school career a little bit. I mean, you've been playing at a high level now the last, what, three years you've been in the North American league. Yeah. Um, then you go to prep school as well. So like, what was the recruiting process? Like, I mean, I think it was what, three years at Damatha and yeah. then you went to Gilmore. So was there a decision? I know, I know uh, he knows what he's talking about over there. Like, what was that conversation like? Yeah, I, I mean, I remember I was I was going to Southern Southern Middle, which is in uh, Anne Arundel County, because I live yeah. right on the border between Anne Arundel and Calvert, and I was f- deciding between both Archbishop Spalding and Dematha, and I knew I knew okay. both coaches really well, both Coach McCauley and was and Trent Coach there at the Trent. time. Yeah. Yes, Coach Trent, and and they're both amazing coaches. Oh, I yeah. I would work with them constantly, even after the fact of deciding the high school and stuff like that, but. I mean, I knew with the math, I knew the education was going to be there. I knew the, like the success right. behind um, like the program, even the hockey program itself. Like I didn't even know this at the time when I was young, but my, my Bowie coaches growing up, they all graduated from DeMatha and, and their kids who I went to and I played Bowie with, we all went to DeMatha together. So it was, it was almost like a brotherhood since I started playing hockey that was just built. Well, it's, what is it? Uh, scholars and uh, athletes. What is it called? Yeah. What, what, yeah. Athletes and scholars, scholars, yes. Gentlemen and scholars, gentlemen, gentlemen and scholars. scholars something. Like How that. could I forget? All of my best <laughs> friends went to the math. How could I forget? <laughs> so, talk about your last season at the math. You guys won the WCAC. You make that run to the MAPHL championship game. Unfortunately, fall to Gonzaga there. I think it was a four-one game. But talk about that season as a whole. Talk about that team as a whole, and even that championship game. Like that's a crazy crowd for a kid. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. kind of the the pinnacle right there when you're in high school. Is that MAPHL what, championship game on a Friday night? I, yeah. yeah, that's what you dream of. That's the that's the one game a year that you know everybody's gonna be there for. And I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, everybody wants to support you, and that's and you know that was from both Gonzaga and Dematha. You know, there's always that rivalry. That's the that's the big rivalry in in the Washington area. So, I mean, and I mean, I, I guess it even went back to I mean, even when I started. I mean, Tony Tony was really good with me. He 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 knew I I that I just would develop over time. And he was like, Hey, you're gonna start on v, the JV team, the V2 team, the first year, and that was great for me to develop. And then the year after that, we go on and we lose like in the semifinals of the MAPHL, win the WCAC, which was great. But, you know, it's always that MAPHL one you want. That's the big, that's the big guy. Yeah, that's it right and, there. And, you know, you, you go and you're playing with all your, your best friends and you're playing against them too, like Bassey for, for Gonzaga yeah. mm-hmm. and, and Connor Tate who had left and Cole Valise and all of them. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's always fun because you, you get, you get your time playing travel hockey, then you also get your time to, to support the school you go to. Would you say Gonzaga is your biggest rival? I mean, who'd you hate the most at the Matha? Oh, I, I mean, I probably hated Spalding the most, okay. but definitely Gonzaga was the biggest rivalry. Yeah. So Love why it. Spalding? I guess we didn't anticipate that answer. I mean, that's always there's a team I mean, you were going to go to, if not the Matha. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's one of those, it's one of those things where they're not in our conference for any other sports really. So, I mean, the, the hockey is the one thing I have left that they, that they have left that they compete in considerably. And so I would say for sure, 
Like I even, I remember I was like in eighth grade and I would go to that game and that wasn't even like a championship game or anything, but it was just absolutely packed in Piney Orchard. And you're like, this is what I want to do. Like you're watching these kids that are just a couple years older than you. Absolutely. I, I, I know that, um, did you have a little, you know, honor to defend there for the rest of the math and none of the boys can play him <laughs> in any other sports. You guys had to take him out in hockey. Yeah, for sure. You know, but, uh, no, it's always the, we have girls chant, but you know. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, talk oh, about that a little bit. Um, <laughs> You know, there's, you know, plenty of people that, that you've talked with or played with. And we, t- we had Bryce on a few weeks ago. I know that you guys are close. Um, yeah. You still follow him at all? You stay in contact with him or trying to build that, that chirping fam a little bit here? So. Oh, no, totally. Bryce is, Bryce is like a brother to me. You know, I, I, I saw him a, a couple of times this summer and was skating with him. But, you know, he's got, a, he's got a huge schedule and a busy schedule, I understand, with that London team and, and where he trains yeah. and stuff like that and where he's at, you know, sometimes you're just going to be like, Hey, like, like, okay. It sounds wow, like that kid's not sitting yeah. still very much. Yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, we, I was my, my last year at the math and my junior year, he was a freshman. So he was two years younger than me, taller than me, bigger than me. And, and, and it was awesome. He was, I knew he was going to be like another, just another one of the brothers, even though he was kind of brand new to the team. And um, he was, I mean, absolutely skilled then one of the best in the league then so you know and i was driving him to the rink every day so we you know you kind of build that connection he's like well, a yeah, so transitive property i mean you had to rub off on him a little bit there yeah yeah you know okay. you gotta you gotta teach him the ropes especially as a freshman yeah know? we're big transitive property guys we we're, yeah, we're yeah. basically you- we're basically d1 we've had some d1 commits on now so me and coach are basically d1 transitive property <laughs> <laughs> well, we had the whole brown kid episode. It was a big brain episode. Uh, if you want to call him out anytime he left you to dry at the math or anything. What's that? I said, if you want to call him out for something, anytime he like left you out to dry or anything, maybe a two on one breakaway, he, he let up. Oh man. I just remember him being ruthless <laughs> sometimes. Like we, just... we, we'd be up on a team like six to three and then he's going down and doing a wraparound goal with like one second left, just trying to get another goal. It's like, geez, savage. Never yeah. had to lay on the I horn waiting to pick him up or anything. He's not waiting. You're not waiting in front of the house, honking the horn. Yeah, no. I mean, all right, all right. He, he was good all with right, it. He was right. good with it. He he knew his role. Uh, somebody you mentioned earlier, I want to kind of bring back up and go into a little more detail, and that's Coach Tony McCauley. Um, great coach, obviously very well known in the area. Talk about him as a coach more so, and kind of what he meant to your development, and what he's kind of like on and off the ice for those that don't know. Oh, he's he's he was a huge part of my like, I would say definitely my development because that you know it's that age between. Uh, like coming out of middle school and into high school that you, you grow that maturity. And for sure, there was a big learning curve there for me. I would say in my, in my sophomore to junior year that, that he really helped build with me. And um, I was going through some tough times then and, and he understood that and he was there for me, which I, I I'm forever grateful for. And I don't think I, I am the man today without coach Tony McCauley. Love it. That's awesome, man. That, that That's what hockey's all about building connections. Like, I'm getting, I played my last meaningful hockey game like seven or eight years ago and I'm getting wedding invites to junior teammates weddings, man. (laughs) But uh, forever. Yeah, absolutely, dude. So following up on, you know, your high school career, you eventually went to Gilmore Academy. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was that process like? Uh, I know that we've got nothing but good things to say about Tony thus far. Was he supportive? Like, I know that he's a hockey mind and understands all that, like getting you to the next level is part of that process. But what was it like to, you know, leave DeMath and leave that brotherhood? No, absolutely. You know, he was, he was very supportive of it. I was, I had been looking for a little bit and I, you know, it's, it's always that weird thing where at, at a certain age, they always say, Hey, get out. But like, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're trying to fix that with bringing stuff in like the Maryland black bears and stuff where guys can stay local and still succeed. But 
I knew I knew it. There was a certain point where I knew I could step my game up a, another level and play at a higher level. And I knew that Gilmore had the the same exact pedigree for academics as Dematha had, but I knew they had a higher level hockey team that played in the great division of prep school hockey, and as well they played in a in a AAA program. So financially, it was also an, an amazing thing for my my parents as well. That's awesome, man. So then you you did make the jump from Gilmore straight to the North American League, is that right? Yeah, I played I played two games right at the end of the season, and at when I was at Gilmore when the season was over, and then stepped in the next year to, to full full time with the Black Bears. So was that were you drafted? Were you tendered? Like what was that process like? And then the latter half of that, you know, moving on to Odessa. Yeah, so I was I was tendered because I, I was on an affiliate for those for those two games mm-hmm. the year before. And I, yes, it was a tender, which then you just have to make the team after main camp and tryouts and all that stuff. And and that team was great. I loved all the guys on it. Played with amazing guys. You know, Hampus Rydquist, who's at who's at Miami now. Yeah. Skoog, who was there for half. Skoog, yeah, he's been on a couple of times. He's a goofball, yeah. man. The whole the whole team is just crazy skilled. Even the guys who are still there now, Mountain, Gruich, Sidlowski, they're all brothers to me. So I mean, I, I'm so happy for all of them. And then moving on to Odessa, were you traded there? Yeah, I was traded. Um, it was like a, a switch. I think they got like a goalie and a player for it. Yeah, it was it was a it was a surprising trade, but uh, I was I was excited because I knew I could go down there and like compete and and know that I was going to be facing a ton of shots every game, and and I could be the difference maker in 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 terms of whether we won or lost a game. So I, I hate to do the like back in my day, and I'd like to preface that I did not play in the North American League. But when I was playing ten years ago, you know, yeah, the South Division was the Wild West, man. It was oh, the yeah. tough division. There were scraps every night. Like, is the style of play different down there now than it was oh, yeah. ten years ago, or the the conference is different from playing from the East to the South? Is there a major oh, difference? The great, the greatest quote that uh, that we always say after every win is it's it's hard to win in the South because it, it is a it is a man's league. Like the, the, mm-hmm. the, even if you're a small guy now in the, in the null South, you, you, you have to hit and you have to be ready to get hit. Um, I, I definitely say there's a, there is a huge difference between the divisions. I can't speak for the Midwest or the other like out there region in the, in the West, but I, I'd say definitely say the East is a lot more run and gun with some guys that do have some physical sense, but the, the, the South is definitely a lot more defensive and a lot more um, body to body. Sure. Well, then you go up to that, you know, the Northern divisions, all those mini kids, it's all stick work, man. Those yeah. kids don't hit. It's all stick yeah. work. <laughs> no, I, sure. I, I kind of want to go back to the trade you were talking about. I mean, you go from the black bears, to the jackalopes, and you kind of said it was shocking, but how much of a surprise did that catch you? But I mean, obviously the team wasn't doing that great that year. I mean, it was like the first or second year of the program, yeah. uh, but you were playing well, you weren't playing bad at all, but I mean, how much of a shock was that to you? Cause I mean, I'm sure you enjoyed playing like at, at Piney Orchard. Oh yeah, no. yeah they were saving a billet. They didn't have to, they didn't have to build you yeah. anywhere. Yeah. It's the, the best, it was the best place I could have been. You know, it's no one else gets the opportunity to play at home, be 15 minutes from a ring right. and, and, and play at a, at a high level of hockey, especially the null. So, I mean, in the beginning of the year, I did have some ups and downs. I would, I would agree with that. We were a 500 team, but then right before, that was like the December Christmas time. We were on like a seven game heater. And I remember I was, I was thinking, and I was talking to my dad about, it. I was like, we, we got a break here. It's going to be a little rough after this. And we went like, and like got swept once and we went like one and one the next weekend. And yeah, it came as a surprise. It was just one, a one weekend after that, a couple weeks after we had a little break and 
I, I was shocked. I was, I was heartbroken. I got, at least I got to see the guys like one more yeah. time before I did have to head down there. But I mean, the, 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 the transition was quick and easy and from both ends that it was, it was an easy process. Well, before you jump in here, coach, I did want to add right. one more thing. Like I, we're always trying to raise the, uh, I'd say the average, you know, hockey IQ in the area, Andrew. And yeah, people don't even, people don't know what the tender process is like. People don't know that we have 15, 16, 17 year olds that can get traded halfway across the country, man. So I think that just, that goes to show, you know, your, uh, intuitiveness there, right? Yes. Especially with the COVID area, uh, like the COVID part now it's, it's even worse because there's kids, there's kids getting bumped up and down every level. You got college kids coming down to play USHL. You got USHL kids getting bumped to the null. It all depends who's having a season and who's not. It's flowing. uh, It's constantly. So crazy. So kind of some weird questions here. Why the black pads? I mean, do you find that to have like more swag than the white ones? I feel like you can wear black pad. Did you first switch the black pads when you were with the black bears? Yeah, that was my, that was my first set in a while. I mean, I had, I might've had a black set when I was with Bowie. That was, but that would have been ages ago, but yeah, the black set was, was pretty cool. I found them on, on like sideline swap or something like that. Okay. Perfect. And they were sweet, all black with red on the side. Knew they were yeah. black pretty well. So all you right, have no right. issue, you know, seeing the puck. I know people, Oh, white pad. You can see the puck better. No, no. Oh, I've actually heard, I've, I've heard multiple times that it makes me look bigger and especially only being six, one, yeah. six, two, you know, Hey, you can take all the size you need. So See, I, mean, I guess when it's loose, you can hide the puck better. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, let's face go. let's face facts here, Tackus. You're a goalie, so you're a weirdo. Um, shit, yeah. Yeah. Well, so what what are the weird things or maybe not so weird things that are normal to you? Any weird? You know, you're talking to your posts or do you warm up in a different way? What are the things that you get chirped for? You know, being a goalie for? No, I mean, I definitely say I'm. I like to say I'm one of the more normal ones, and you know, every every goalie would like to say that and be confident yeah. with it. But I mean, there's obviously a couple of things, but like, I, I, I'm not really a big routine guy in terms of before games. I like to stay nice and loose and stuff like that. I love playing like sewer with the guys before games, just like keep up. That's always fun. I've done that since the math of days. That's always been like the fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. Or, but you know, like it's always the rituals, like all hockey players have the stick taping yeah. and stuff like that. But no, I mean. But you're kind of cool being around the guys and not just like off isolated by yourself, just doing. No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not one of those guys that has to sit and like you know train and like stare at the wall and stuff. You gotta touch the dots, warm up the eyes, touch the dots, and you know do all that weird shit. You get you get tracking and stuff during warm ups, and and you're good to go. You get trained. This might be an easy one, might be a hard one. Toughest guy or guys, plural. Uh, whose shot you've had the most trouble with? I know you, I, mean, I hate to say it as a attendee, but is there one guy throughout your career who's kind of been like, when you're facing him, you're like, dude, that guy's got my number. It's, I got to figure something out here. I definitely say like, in terms of skill wise, for sure, Skook has got to be up there as one of the, one of the most talented players I've ever played yeah. against. Just his, his release and the way like mm-hmm. it, it comes off his stick is just so quick and pure. And it's like, you'll just, and it's the same thing when you talk about like just the overall skill, not even like a shot basis, but like when he's pulling off the Michigans and stuff like that. Yeah. Did that in his first game at BU? Like, like no one, no one sees it, but he's sitting there doing it a hundred times in practice behind the net. Every time he gets a rebound behind the net, he's doing it no matter what. Like it's just hysterical, but like at a young age, for sure. I would say Bryce, I just, I knew he was going to be one of those skilled players with a hard shot for sure. Love it. So kind of another maybe tough, maybe easy one. What, in your opinion, was your best season so far? Is there like one season that it could be like back into math? It could be now. It could be this season, obviously, with the numbers you're putting up. But you were just completely on one. It felt like you were playing the best you ever have. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I would I would say for sure. 
this year is going to be huge. I, I, yeah. I've already, I've already said to like the, the guys here that I would put money on it, that we would make it to a Robbie cup this year. We okay. just have that type of, we have, we have that type of team. I know we, if we, if we played well every single night that we can be a, a, a huge contender, especially in the South, but for, for going for a championship, I know that this, this team and this organization has done it before and we can do it again. I mean, kind of correct me if I'm wrong here, but five and oh, one seven, two goals against average and nine thirty two save percentage. How are you? Yeah. Yeah. How are you? I mean, not bad. Not yeah. a bad season. So yeah, just for let the record start. show going. Let the record show. He said he would put money down. He has not. If any, you know, <laughs> we'll put the money listening. down. We'll put the money down for you. Yeah. yeah. No, the, the guys. The guys quote here is is they put the mortgage on it. If they got Love it, if they got a bet. They always put the mortgage on it, and I would. I put would build so, house on it. <laughs> this is uh this is gonna be a new question that I ask every week. I think, but. Um, like I said, you know, we're, we're constantly trying to pump up the DMV and, and uh, bring a little more hockey awareness. Like who, who are some people or maybe the one guy that we should be talking to? Is he, you know, locker room prankster, you know, stud hockey player? Like who's, who's a local kid that you think we should have on here? Ooh. I would love to say like Adam Varga. Have you talked to him before? No. I haven't, no. Local kid. He was here for a couple years, played for Washington Little Caps, very skilled player. Um, also in the OHL, I believe, still right now. Um, Reed Liebold uh, okay. from the Black Bears, awesome guy to talk to. I would say any of the Maryland Black Bear players, they're all going to be characters. Um, Mountain's an awesome guy. Yeah, Maybe we got to get Mountain. We had the new kid, on? Hunter McCoy. No, we had, we had Hunter McCoy on last week. We got to get Mountain. Okay, yeah. Weeks ago. Yeah, yeah I, I heard he was a really, really nice guy, but I never yeah. got to meet him, so – Love right it. on. We'll have to hit up Adam Varga. I'm looking at him right now. He's doing it, but we do need to get Mountain. He had a hat trick last game. Yeah, yeah. no, he had a big night. Hey, with chick, hey, with a chirp and bump. Chirp yeah. And bump. So, it. last question for me is it's kind of a simple one, but you know, what's next? What's the ideal situation for Andrew Takis next year? Is it NCAA? Is it Canada? Have you been in any talks with teams or schools or anything? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, with, with the COVID, I mean, it, it sucked for a little bit that I was not like you're not playing games stuff like yeah. that like when i came here this was the first set of games that i had played in a year right this was like my first real game so it was awesome to get back here and, and obviously like those those college recruiting is, is starting to build and stuff but it, it I, I, like i'm just trying to keep building my resume and not even think about it right now i think it's still too early i still i know i still have another year and obviously that's right. that's an amazing thing to have with the whole covid situation sure. um but it's just finding the right like situation, whether I, that's next year I go to college or the year after that. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a crazy rush right now, especially with no, all the COVID. Sure. Stuff. And you do have you have another year after this one, correct? Yeah, I was because I was I was luckily I wasn't one of those kids that and that's what I'm so thankful for with Gilmore. I didn't have to repeat a year going to a, a, another prep school, so my grades were always there, so it was okay. So another full okay. year of eligibility, A's, baby. Look out, North American League. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Especially with the way you're playing, then I feel like options are going to be open, but yeah, it's more concentrating on what you're doing now. Uh, Bobcat, what you got? I'm I do. Last thing I got to say, man, is let's make a trek to the Robbie here. We'll be following you. Um, yeah. maybe we'll, we'll chat, chat with you. Give us a little playoff preview here towards the end of the year, man, but oh, love having sure. you on love growing the game and uh, go bulls, baby. Oh yeah. Always, always here to grow the Maryland hockey, you know, I mean, especially when you, when you grow up here and you, you know, it's not as big as something like football or basketball. You just right, want, right. You got that well, family. Just even looking at the, the jump from, like I said, I've said it the third time now, but we're, you know, less than a decade apart. And yeah. this is just leaps and bounds, the, the, the growth that the game has had in this area. Absolutely. So keep it on. Absolutely. Same. So there it is. Andrew Tackett, thanks again for coming on, man. 
No, thank you so much. Had a blast here. Thank you. Thank you.